Welcome to the Study Abroad podcast. I am your host, Frey, with my co-host, Lindsay. And thank you all for joining us for the first podcast of Sage Hens Abroad, Pomona student stories from around the world. All right, Lindsay, tell me about yourself. What kind of a study abroad are you? Um, I am a live large, have as much fun as possible while also studying really hard kind of study abroader. I am currently a senior at Pomona, as is Frey. Um, I am a history major and a media studies minor, and I study abroad in Kyoto, Japan through the Associated Kyoto program. Frey, where did you study abroad? Thank you for asking, Lindsay. I studied abroad in Madrid um, during the fall 2019 semester. I am an English major, and I was a Spanish minor, but I in, like instead decided to pick up French to be trilingual. So that's that's my plan. I am the kind of an easygoing but also intense study abroader. I tried to get good grades, at least. Um, in my <laughs> personal experience, Frey tries to be very chill, but it is in fact one of the most intense people I know. All right, thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate that. Um, all right, well. Let's do a podcast, y'all. Yeah, let's do it. Today we're introducing Emily, um, one of our friends and fellow study abroader. Hello, Emily. Hello, Lindsay. Thank you for having me today on the podcast. Yes, um, I'm currently kind of a senior at Pomona, but I'm taking the year off and kind of doing some other things. But yeah, so I'll be a part of the class of 2022, um, but I studied abroad in Senegal um, this past spring, which was super fun, and I am double majoring in French and anthropology. Awesome. Thank you for that introduction. Well, I was wondering if you could actually explain your experience in Senegal, how you came to like choose that place, but also any particular stories that you have, any striking experiences that you had while you were there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. We have so much to talk about. Um, okay. So I wanted to go to Senegal because, well, one, for multiple reasons. One reason was because I kind of, I'm a French major and I thought that going to France was a little overrated. Um, I thought like, you know, like whatever it's France, but I, you know, growing up, like I grew up in the U S and I never really had the opportunity to live, um, kind of like in a not like typically Western country or place and so I thought living in Senegal would be a really interesting like just great opportunity to live there for a couple months um and it was a great opportunity like I, I fell in love with it and so I remember actually speaking with a like study abroad um like someone who works there um and she gave me advice to either go to Cameroon or Senegal and so I was thinking about but I was thinking between Cameroon and Senegal um and I chose Senegal because actually Dakar, the city that I lived in, was like on the ocean. Like it's gorgeous there, like absolutely beautiful. Um, and like, I mean, the culture is amazing. Like the people are amazing, and it's also it also happens to be warm, like all the time, and like gorgeous and on the ocean. So it's kind of like the perfect place to be um, in general. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about like your first day in Senegal? Because I remember my first day in Spain was just an absolutely, like, it, a, an amazing experience. So what was it like in Senegal? Also, that in is contrast, in contrast, I want to say my first day in Japan was a hot mess. So we really do run the spectrum in first experiences. 
Yeah. And actually like the story I wanted to tell for this podcast, I mean, I have so many stories, but the one I wanted to tell was about my first day in Senegal. So that's perfect. Um, yeah. So I landed in Dakar at like 7 PM and it was still light out at the time. Um, and every, all, a bunch of the other like CIE students were coming together. And then we were driven home by this like nonprofit organization named Taranga Legacy. And so Taranga is the Wolof word for hospitality and Wolof is a native language in Senegal. Anyway, so we were driven home by Taranga Legacy and throughout my program, we saw Taranga Legacy, like the people who worked there, um, like a couple times, like very often. And I actually became friends with like the people who drove me home on that first day, which was super cool, but that's a side note. Um, so I was driven home at night. By this time it was like 9 p.m. It was dark outside. We arrived um, in the city and I didn't really know where I was. I was very disoriented and very jet lagged. And then um, we, I was the last one to get out of this like van that they were transporting us in. And uh, we met up with my host brother named Anjawar. Uh, my host brother helped me like take my bags to the house. We only had to walk like a block away. We walked in my house. Uh, we walked in and I saw like my whole host family. I saw my mom, my dad. Um, and then I have two sisters and then three host brothers who were living in the house at the time. Um, and all of the all of my like host siblings were between the ages of 22 and 33. Anyway, so my host mom, like they, they all welcome me. It's very nice. My host mom tells me all of their names and I like immediately forget all of them. Like it just goes right through my brain, um, which was unfortunate, but I was so tired and like disoriented. Um, and you know, like I've heard of culture shock and like I know it exists and it's something I talked about a lot in like classes and stuff, but this was the first time that I really felt like pure culture shock. Um, and it was a little bit like shocking, obviously. Like I almost like went into like a panic. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, this is, I'm going to live here for the next four months. Like, how is this going to happen? What's going to happen? Like, what is my life going to be like? Like, I just had all of these questions and no answers. But anyway, so it was about 930 that night. And so I put my bags like in my room and then it was time to eat with my family. They like had all this food prepared. Um, I remember <laughs> we ate chicken with like onions and lettuce and French fries. That's what we ate. And so the way that families typically eat in Senegal is they all sit on like eating mats on the ground and then they have like a, a big bowl or a big plate in the middle of them. Um, and everyone eats with either their hands or using like a loaf of bread to like pick up food. And typically like the mother figure in the household will take the food and like put it in front of you. So like only the food that's in front of you on the bowl is like yours to eat really. Anyway, so my mom would like, my mom put all this food like in front of everyone. We started eating and I was still having all these like thoughts in my mind, like about just like, I was just nervous. I was like, this yeah. is so... Like, I just, it was just a new experience. Um, is that something, is that something like a, a type of eating where you have to, like, learn the rules? Yeah, yeah. So, for example, well, okay, so Senegal is primarily a Muslim country, or, like, people are, it's 90% Muslim there. Um, and so you, you're not supposed to eat with your left hand. It's just a rule. And so, yeah. They told me that beforehand. They were like, do not eat with your left hand. Um, and all these things. Yeah, like, don't grab for meat, like, across the plate. Like, your mother is going to give that to you. Um, 
yeah, stuff like that. That like brings me to another question of how much did you know beforehand before you actually went to Senegal? I researched it and like I tried to watch like some documentaries about it and you know I read like articles of like Senegalese history but I didn't know a ton like I did not know exactly what to expect I didn't know the vibe of the country really especially just I don't know, through just like reading about it um, and you know I also found like conflicting sources like I read how women shouldn't wear things that are like shorter than their knees but I also read that it's fine to do that um and so only until going there did I really kind of see everything and like feel everything um and so I learned that you really shouldn't wear things that are like above your knees it's just like kind of disrespectful and just unnecessary within the cultural context um but anyway so we were sitting down for dinner and I was panicking in my mind um I was like on the verge of tears at this point honestly but I think I was just exhausted and tired and jet lagged but I was on the verge of tears and then suddenly <laughs> our neighbor comes in um and she just had a baby like a month ago her baby is so tiny his name is Muhammad she comes in and you know she says hello with and everything baby. with the baby yeah she's holding the baby oh and you know, we're eating dinner and so in the U.S. like that would kind of be considered rude just to like come in during dinner, like no knocking, literally just walking in the house. Um, but she walked in, she was welcomed immediately and they were speaking in Wolof, which I did not understand. And, um, but basically the gist of what happened was her Mohammed, the baby like had an upset stomach. And so my mom just like said a couple things and my host sisters went to get like honey and butter and like a spoon and like a cup. And my mom like made this like concoction and just fed it to the baby all while still eating her own dinner and like putting things in front of other people to eat. And it was just so, I don't know. I loved seeing that because I just felt so like taken care of immediately. I was like watching my host mom be so kind to this little baby, like at any hour of the day was just so calming. And so honestly, after that, like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> after that, like I was not on the verge of tears anymore and I was completely like at peace and I was like oh, okay I'm gonna be fine like these are really 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 nice people that's um, amazing did that did that feeling last yes honestly the feeling only like augmented itself could you explain, okay. That? Could you explain that okay so this feeling augmented um yeah so the feeling that I felt was very just like I felt so taken care of I felt like I belonged to a part of like the whole of the household um and I just felt very like supported all the time and like yeah that feeling only augmented because in Senegalese culture typically like there's so much that goes into it like there's the element of like I said taranga which which is the Wolof word for um hospitality like taranga is huge in Senegal like people take it really seriously people are so just like kind um also <laughs> my program director who is like Senegalese um would always say to us this like African proverb which was like I am because we are um and it's so it's just a huge like collectivist mentality there like people take care of each other even if they don't know each other you know like there's I feel like the aspect of like a stranger doesn't really exist there or it does but like less so than in the U.S. um because everyone, yeah, I don't know. And for example, like at this place where I volunteered teaching English, like this, the, our teacher like went and got coffee, like on the street at like a stand and then came back and like 
literally gave it to every single person to taste before he even drank it. And that's just like a normal thing. Like, so I always felt very like taken care of when I was in Senegal and just like very mutually supported. Yeah. Okay. So one of my questions, because I followed you on social media and I saw that you had you just seemed to have like a really good time. And a lot of it seemed to be like making friends in Senegal. Um, so could you just talk about like what it was like, like making like social relationships with other people? Uh, what were your experiences with that? Totally. Also, I just want to say, I love this because so CIEE actually closed down their, um, their location in Senegal, which is really unfortunate. And, you know, we're not at school right now. So like my dream before when I went to Senegal was to give this like as a presentation in um, the French department at like the Fireside Lounge in Mason. Cause like I had seen presentations about Senegal and I wanted to give that, but now like I get to do it here. So anyway, I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm glad we could facilitate that. Yeah, I'm also glad too. And hopefully it'll be recorded for everyone to see for years and years. I hope so. Yeah. And I think students should still go to Senegal anyway. They can find programs. Um, so yeah, so friends. So one element was Taronga Legacy, like that nonprofit that helped us out. CIEE hired Taronga Legacy to not just bring us back from the airport, but also give us tours of our neighborhoods. Um, and also to, we went to this island called Gore Island, which is like an extremely historical island. And it was it's this island like just off the coast of Dakar, um, but it was the site where a lot of enslaved Africans were taken in order to um, go to the Americas, essentially. Um, so it has like an extremely like tragic history, but it's also a beautiful island. But anyway, so uh, Taronga Legacy took us there and then, you know, gave us presentations about Senegal at CIEE. So I saw them a ton and also so they're all, the people who work at Taronga Legacy, it's, it's nice because they're all friends and they're all in their like mid-20s. Um, so we got along very well. And also they're all friends with a Pomona alum who uh, also went to Dakar. And so when I like was talking to them, I was like, oh, do you know this person? And they were like, yes, like we're actually good friends with, with them. And oh my so gosh. And they still, it's cool. Yeah, they still talk. And so um that was cool because that gave me like an in with them and so we were like kind of friends from the start and we ended up actually going to like clubs with them and like hanging out with their houses like drinking tea with them and like hanging out so I I'm actually still really good friends with a lot of them another aspect of friendships um was my host family and I would say for everyone like their host families um especially if they had host siblings um my siblings were all like in their 20s ish so it was kind of perfect like I would just go out in the city with my host siblings and meet their friends and make friends with their friends um and I was I, I felt like I was really good friends as well with my host siblings um yeah like for example my host brother one of my host brothers Lamine um is a basketball coach and he used to play like semi-pro for for Senegal which was super cool so one time I literally just walked out of my room and then there was this like super tall basketball player in the house talking to my family. And I was like, hello. Um, <laughs> and we talked for a while. And then him and Lamine were going to leave to like go walk back to the other basketball player's house. His name's Maydun. to Maydun's house. And uh, I was like, where are you going? And they were like, we're just walking back to Maydun's house. Do you want to come? And so I did. And we hung out. And then Maydun and I were actually good friends. And like, we still talk. Um, so yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. 
but I will be real. I could really go on the street by myself and be like, be my friend. And they would, someone would be like, yes. <laughs> That's so interesting. I feel like it's very different in Spain. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was going to say it's very different in Japan too. People are very, people keep to themselves in East Asia for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Spain, my experience was more like everyone's very friendly, but everyone also has their own cliques. So mm-hmm. you have to like, you have to like justify yourself to the cliques in order yeah. to really become a part of it, which was really hard for me because I like, I spoke horrible Spanish at the beginning and, but yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. So were your relationships like made in French? Yes. So, so how did that, how did that impact? Like, did you feel like you could be your full Emily Lunger self? in French (laughs) that's a great question um in French like okay so everyone in the program had to take Wolof and so I of course took Wolof I luckily tested out of French because uh Pomona prepared me very well with French so I didn't have to take a French class um but I spoke it pretty well I'm not fluent but I I'm like I can get around and stuff so I don't think I was like my 100% Emily Lunger self but I felt pretty comfortable. So, yes. And so, but also because I felt so comfortable in French, like, I definitely depended more on French than I did on Wolof. So I learned, like, a good bit of Wolof when I was there, and we would definitely speak in Wolof, but whenever it came to, like, having an actual conversation, we would just flip into French, Um, which was good. Like, I mean, it was an advantage that I had. Like, lots of students, you know, weren't at necessarily that level of French, and so a lot of them would try and wool off even more um, than I did. But I mean, it was nice that I could really like have a real conversation in French, not to the fluency in English uh, that I have in English, but still. Um, so yeah, yeah. That makes me wonder if, so you're speaking French and wool off all the time in Senegal. Is it hard for you like when your mom texts you and texts you something in English to flip um, back into like the English language? Yeah, it's a little bit jarring. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Because I would just always be thinking like in French or like about things in French or even Wolof. Um, yes, and it would definitely take me off guard if a stranger talked to me in English. I'm like, what? Um, but did you have any experiences like that where you were trying to speak, say something in Wolof or French, and they're like, "Oh, you're an American. I'm going to use English with no. you." I've had those experiences in France for sure, but never in Senegal actually. So that was cool. But I did one time. Okay, so one thing that I love about Senegal is the bus or like the public transportation system. Like I love it. Um, and that is a hot take. I think it definitely depends on the person whether or not you like the bus, uh, because oftentimes the bus can definitely get super crowded and hot and like packed, like completely packed. Um, sometimes not, but it depends on like where you are time of day. Anyway, but personally, I loved the bus because it just felt like such a Dakar experience. Um, and also that gave me like an opportunity to witness Senegalese life also from like a different point of view. Cause also, I don't know, the buses are kind of tall. So I could see the city like while I was riding around and it was like, almost like I was like touring around the city just by like going to school or going to my internship. Um, and I had interactions with other Senegalese people on the bus that I wouldn't have gone otherwise. So I know that you lived with a host family as well. And so like mm-hmm. your other, the other students in your program, 
like how far away would y'all live apart from each other in Madrid? I had one one classmate who was like a block away. Um, but otherwise, I don't think there was anyone else in my neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. And so everyone was pretty evenly distributed around the city. I think like there were, wasn't really anyone in the suburbs because that would make it really difficult to go to classes and stuff. Cool. In contrast, like my program also did host families and we all lived in the suburbs or like in the farmlands. We all lived wow. extremely out there. Um, but that's probably also because the city itself was too expensive and like the living situations were too small for people to actually like have host kids if they were in the city. But also Japan's train system is such that you can live really far away and you'll, you can still probably get to school relatively quickly. So what city were you closest to? Um, I was in Kyoto, so Kyoto. Um, and that's like a smallish city. It was, I think it's like 1.5 million. And I, I lived somewhat closer to school than like my other friends did. But even so, it took me 45 minutes to get to school every day. I mean, it took me 45 minutes to get to school every day. And I was going from like Madrid to Madrid. So, <laughs> How did you get to school, Frey? Like by a bus or were you walking? It kind of depended. I, I would take the bus if it came within like five minutes of me getting to the bus stop. And if it mm-hmm. didn't, I would leave and go to the train because I had like a, I had a metro stop that was like a block away. Madrid public transportation was like an eye-opening experience. I took the subway every day, um, but like the subway and the trains are like basically the same thing in Japan or like they function essentially in the same way. So it like all works within the greater train system. That's so cool. I think the public transportation systems can really tell a lot about a city. Well, specifically Dakar, it was so cool. I love the public transportation system because it's not just the bus. And although the bus is clutch and the bus goes everywhere, like I love the bus, I, I stand the bus, but there's also taxis, which are great. Um, but there's also these things called car rapides, which just means like fast car, like rapid car. Um, and they are these like huge vans that are painted. They're painted they're really pretty like like all the colors of the rainbow on this van like you can't miss them they're just like targets for your eyes anyway they go like basically the same routes as all of the buses but they're cheaper and they kind of like they have the reputation of driving more recklessly (laughs) and also like it's kind of packed like you you get to sit down but like they pack everyone they can in there so you're really just like squeezed in with everybody else Um, but they're super fun and all like the back of the van is always open and there are typically like teenage boys like out there who collect like your coins to get on and then who like they like slap the top of the van if like someone needs to stop or like whenever it needs to go and they just stand on the back of the van and like hold on anyway it's kind of my dream job though um and there are also there's like another van system that's similar to car rapids but they're not painted and it does the same thing so i'm a huge fan of the public transportation system intercar and one of my favorite things also about the bus so i saw this my first week when i was in there and i saw it like multiple times as well um if okay so hypothetically let's say a mother gets on holding like a baby or like a a pretty young baby or even a toddler um but let's say that there's no sitting room anymore like if the if the mom looks like fine to stand on her own no one will get up for her but she'll just give her baby to typically a woman also sitting down 
like no it's so wow, cool that's amazing. that's amazing oh my gosh yeah like no words exchanged I watched this happen for the first time and my jaw dropped I was like oh my god and it, there's just so much like trust really I mean or as I see it as trust but they see it as very normal which I love so I'm, I'm obsessed with that so I'm, I'm obsessed with that yeah that's so fascinating what kind of things are there in, that are kind of like on the level of subconscious in Senegalese culture that you think are like really conscious like trust with one's baby and that sort of thing I was also this goes into another maybe that's that I was thinking about too wait were you gonna say something Frey? I just maybe there's a weird way to word the question but are there things that are like normal which are like just not normal to you perhaps like maybe there are some nuances or some like specific quirks I don't know if quirks is the correct word but certain types of things in Senegal that were different than what you were expecting for sure for sure yes um I would say that okay politeness is different in Senegal than it is in the U.S. for example like I would say in the U.S. we say thank you for a lot of we say thank you for everything all the time um but in Senegal like lots of things that I would say thank you to they they wouldn't even expect me to say thank you because it's like it's like it's it's almost like as if in the U.S. the bar is raised so low that we're like oh my god thank you for doing the bare minimum for me like in Senegal they're just kind and they don't even expect you to say thank you because it's normal that's so fascinating so you can just give your baby over because that's because that's what anyone would do yeah yeah exactly oh my gosh and also like also personal space like I think in the U.S. lots of people have their own kind of like bubbles um and you know don't get in my space but that definitely is less of a thing in Senegal which I didn't mind like because also on the bus personal space does not exist and so I loved the bus but there's that and yeah one thing I was surprised about when I was in Spain was that I don't, I couldn't find like a single person ever like express a sort of feeling of social anxiety. Mm. And it just like surprised me how much like that colors like our social interactions in the United States. That must have been really like refreshing. It really was. Like, I think, I don't know, it seems like people for them more so than social anxiety, like a, a determining motivation is like fun which is like something which seems so basic, but there's a, there's a broader of understanding of fun in Spain than there is in the United States. That's cool. So like, what else would y'all do for fun? It just seemed like less people were concerned about other things. And there was also like a less of a sense of like, you could enjoy yourself with the night inside. Like mm-hmm. everyone was like constantly going out. You know, you go to the bars, you go to the clubs. Um, and that's just... Yeah that's that's the normal there I also felt way less social anxiety in Dakar because of like what we talked about earlier just how like I felt so supported all the time like everyone is just really there for everybody else even if they don't know them if they're not family if they're not friends like it's still like a very supportive environment which I really liked and so I always felt super just like included while I was there which was awesome that's really cool yeah it was so easy to make friends do you have any, like, what's, what's the funniest thing that happened to you while you're abroad? Um, I mean, so many things. Okay, this is bizarre. Um, okay, so I, I, inter- I did an internship um, at this amazing nonprofit. And what was amazing, I also didn't have to apply, which is CIEE sets you up. And I love CIEE so much. They set me up with this internship at this amazing nonprofit called Imagination Africa. Um, and it's, a non it's a nonprofit, a children's museum, and a preschool, all in one. 
it's so cool. There's art everywhere. So I worked there and I, I worked with like the kids a lot. And I also set up like a writing center for them in their preschool, which was fun. But part of my like research for the writing center was to hang out with the kids, like the preschoolers, which was like a dream come true. I loved it. And so one day, so the preschoolers were also learning about the theme of transportation <laughs> and uh, in Dakar, lot, there's lots of like horse-drawn carriages kind of that, that carry like certain loads of just really anything. Anyway, so the kids and I one day, one morning, we got to take a ride on the carriage around like town. So there was a bunch of like three, four, five-year-olds, and then, like, me on this carriage, like, riding around town, and I was, like, supposed to take videos of, like, the surroundings. It was really weird, and I got a lot of, like, stares, um, but it was so fun, and I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. What were, what were some things that, like, kids said to you that you're just, like, wow, that's an amazing (laughs) thing to say? Um, lots okay there's this one kid named Malik who loves everybody like everyone he's like three but and he just has no boundaries at all and like no sense of fear so like the first time I ever saw him he just came up to me and like hugged me and his mom was like what are you doing um (laughs) but well okay it's interesting because a lot of them don't speak French yet they speak Wolof so I wouldn't always know what they were saying um that's the thing But there was this really cute kid named Mohammed who was, like, three and would always, like, pull me around. Okay, one of my favorite things about the the kids is, like, one of their favorite snacks is, like, this really sweet vanilla yogurt. And then it's mixed with, like, literally, like, grain, like, millet grain. And, like, babies eat that a lot to, like, grow and, like, gain weight. Like, it's really healthy for them. And also the dairy is just really good for, like, their brains and everything. Anyway, but that's also a meal, like, that the... the yogurt and like the millet mixed up together. That's also a meal that you can just get on the street. And lots of Senegalese people eat that on Sundays because like they don't really want to make dinner. Like it's kind of just a day where they don't feel like doing anything. So we, so I would see these babies eating it and be like jealous because it's like really good. <laughs> and then I would eat that on Sunday. And yeah, you get it in a bag and you can literally just like drink it from the bag. It's very bizarre, but like something I really came to enjoy. What are some things that you really miss from your time in Dakar? Um, Well, especially during the pandemic, I miss just like interacting with so many people every single day, like getting up, seeing my host family. I miss my host family so much. So, 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 so much. I talk to them very often though, which is good. Um, But interacting with my host family and then like going to the bus and, you know, seeing some of these people on the bus, talking to them, making friends, like someone, when I was even walking to the bus from my house, like came up to me and was like or he sorry he had a like a moped like a motorcycle and was like where are you going and I was like oh I'm going to Yoth which is a different uh, neighborhood and he was like oh I'm going like across town so but he totally would have given me a ride to my job but anyway so I miss just like those little interactions and then like I also taught English and I miss like the students that I got to hang out with yeah I just miss like the complete like social connectedness of everything yeah that's so cool. Okay, one of my one of my questions for you was going to be like what kind of strategies did you use to like do study abroad and like make it like something that's like healthy and good. But I feel like based on what you've said that there may be like something else like a better question to ask, which is like how did how did your friends and your host family like help you, 
you know, with the difficulties of study abroad? That is such a good question. Such a good question. Yeah, I would say the biggest difficulties were culture shock and like language barriers, which make a lot of sense. Um, those are mm-hmm. the typical difficulties. But my host family was okay. My host family was so cool. They were they had been with CIEE the longest, and so they had had like the most host children, students. So they loved it. So my host family was like, they were pros and they were just so receptive of me. Okay. My host, it was so easy to fit in with them. Like the the only thing they ever wanted was for me to just hang out with them. Like just oh my be gosh. there. That's so yeah. beautiful. So I would just sit with them and hang out. Um, and it was the best. Um, and like, they loved me just because I was there. Like literally, like I came to actually love my host family. And so, but so the American students that I became friends with, I liked them a ton. Um, but I would say that like making friends with the American students was like a lesser priority than making friends with the Sangalese people there and like my host family. But it was nice to have them because we obviously we shared this experience. Um, and I clicked really well with a couple of them. And like one of my friends, Caitlin, also lived in my neighborhood. So we would hang out a lot. And so the, Sen- the Senegalese have this amazing like tea tradition where they call it they make a taya which is the wolof word for tea um but basically like you heat up the tea and it's delicious and super sugary and you put it basically into two like almost like shot glasses and then you're supposed to make foam by taking the tea in between the shot glasses and like and um like dropping it in between oh yes like holding it up really high and so and it creates foam like you do it over and over again and it's yeah. like kind of like you show off. Like That's you have really to cool. it's cool. Like you show off how high you can spill the tea, literally. But it's a, it's also like a social practice. Like you you make a taya so you can just like chill and hang out and talk. Um so Caitlin and I would go to each other's houses and make a taya a lot with our families. Yeah, it was nice to have that shared experience with the other students and all just be able to like lean on each other. Yeah. What okay, question. What is it? <sighs> It's a it's a hard thing. I, I like don't know exactly what question I want to ask. That's okay. But, like, what was your experience as a white American student in a um, in a colonized African nation? Yeah, no, that's a super important question um, and a question that we explored a lot, especially during like orientation um, and throughout the whole entire time I was there. Um, yeah, I obviously had a lot of privilege there. You know, just like white privilege in general. Um, that was a huge thing, um, you know, and not just white privilege, but also like blonde privilege, kind of like if that's a thing, like the fact that my hair was blonde was huge because that also gave me like a lot of attention from other people. Um, and like, I'm definitely not like upset about that attention because it's like somewhat a privilege in that way. Um, but I just like took note of it. But the white students and like myself definitely definitely listened to our program directors about it, our host families, and other Black students on the program um, about certain things such as like cultural appropriation, you know, like what can we wear and what can we not wear? Um, And so we definitely listened to their guidance and definitely just tried not to cross lines that we should not cross. And also just like educate ourselves about the history of Senegal um, and the history of colonization. And, you know, so Dakar is the westernmost point of Africa. So that was like one of the major points within the transatlantic slave trade. So just like being extremely aware of that and also like giving back to the community, you know, like Mm -hmm. going to local businesses and, you know, giving them your time and your effort and, you know, your money as well. And just being very cognizant of that and just trying your best to give what you can and not take too much. 
and not make it all about you. I think that's really, really well said. Um, I know that you mentioned that your other fellow um, study abroaders had went through the same training. Were they in this, a similar mindset as you were going to a place that's a colonized or formerly colonized place like Senegal? Yes, I think a lot of us, like we all learned a lot while we were there. There were some students who were like, I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear Senegalese clothing because I want to. And like, I mean, it was a really tricky situation because like one of the host moms like made clothing and like really liked it when her host like students bought clothing from her. And lots of Senegalese people would be like, yes, wear our clothing. And like, they would be like, they would really encourage it. Um, but on the other hand, like it is cultural appropriation and there is such like a history behind it. And, and like, some like black students on the program were like not okay with it so like even though some Senegalese people were okay with it not everyone was okay with it so there it was really a tricky thing to navigate and so some people crossed some lines that upset other people and I tried not to like my host mom gave me a skirt um which I love so much and I like wore it in the home but I didn't wear it like really outside and also like and there were certain situations like we talked as a group uh, like in CAE about you know, what if your family, like, wants you to wear something to an event? Like, for example, like, my family gave me, or they, like, lent me a dress to wear to this wedding that they took me to, and we talked about how that's, like, okay, because it would be super rude to deny, like, your family that, but, like, don't go out of your way to just wear it whenever you want, just if you're, like, a white person, just because it's not, not the greatest. So, but, I mean, it was good, and it was, like, definitely a great learning experience, um, and I'm glad that we had, like, discussions about it um, throughout our time. And we actually did have a really, really good discussion um, about colonization and about slavery and also, like, the after effects of colonization and slavery, like, still today that are very much real. Um, and that conversation was, like, super necessary that we have. And so, yeah, I'm, glad, I'm really glad that we had that. Because even, like, you know, as students, we can't necessarily, like, immediately just do something about it like we can't just like fix everything right away like with a snap of our fingers it's still important to like have those conversations and like do what you can do you think that the the history of colonization is something that might be like able to be felt in like social relationships that you have with local people there i think it depends but quite honestly like okay so quite honestly people in senegal are so welcoming of really anybody and I think it's different if you're French like if you're white and if you're French specifically and if you like refuse to learn Wolof like I would say that some of these people might not like you that much um but if you like yeah yeah because if you put in effort to like learn Wolof people like automatically like you way more (laughs) like (laughs) which I soon like found out like pretty early in the program um but I, yeah, so I, honestly, I would say that Senegalese people are pretty welcoming and, like, less critical of white people, just, like, outwardly, I guess, like, within, like, social interactions, um, but, you know, like, all the students at CIE, as well as, like, the Black students, were just, like, extremely cognizant of, like, race relations within the U.S., and definitely took a lot of what we know about that in the U.S. to Senegal, where obviously, like, like, yes, Senegal was colonized, absolutely. Um, but race relations are different. And also, like, like I would say, like, there would be some days where I wouldn't even see another white person besides myself. Like, it's 
like obviously like they are there in Senegal but they're not like it's not insanely common um I think that the distinction that you made between French individuals or, or French white individuals versus non-French white individuals is something that I had never really considered um and I think that us as Americans we don't really necessarily think about we always think about white and non-white and mm-hmm having that distinction in a place that has a history like Senegal's, I think is important to consider. For sure. But it's also at the same time, it's like ironic because even though I'm an American and I'm not French, like, you know, the U.S. still has a huge history of colonization and like is still technically colonizing like indigenous peoples. And so it's, so it's just ironic that like, you know, just because the Senegalese were colonized by the French, they like me more because I'm an American, even though like the U.S. has a whole host of colonization issues. So um there was that irony there um what would be yeah, some oh sorry no go ahead i i was going to totally change the subject so if you're going to cap it off with anything i would just cap it off with like there were interest i heard a lot of like things that were interesting about the politics in senegal just from my friends but like a lot of people that i knew told me that the president Macky Sall, they described him as like it's like an arm of France because like even though Senegal has been independent like an independent country uh apart from France since 1960 like they think that a lot of Senegalese citizens think that like the French the Senegalese government just like works a lot with the French government and like Senegalese money is still like made in France and there's still just like so many ties that haven't been cut off yet um for multiple reasons but it's not just like are you French but it's also like your relationship with the French. So yeah, that's just all I was going to say at the end. Yeah. So I guess my only question now is like, do you have any tips that you would give, you know, people who want to study in Senegal? I would say do it. (laughs) (laughs) Please go and study in Senegal because France is super cool. And if you want to go to France, like totally do it. But like, I would say compared to the U.S., there's just such like a level of kindness and collectivity and you know, hospitality there that, like, I just have never felt that in the U.S. and, like, just this amazing, like, community care that I just, like, fell deeply in love with. And, you know, now I'm thinking of, like, perhaps doing a Fulbright in Senegal, hopefully, um, and stuff like that. But tips would be make Senegalese friends, make friends with your host family, like, do not prioritize the American students because, like, you can see them when you go back to the U.S., like, if, if, if you're going back right. to the U.S., but yeah, prioritize your Senegal, like, the Senegalese people around you and really just, like, do all you can to get involved in the city because, like, I felt like my days were so full all the time because, like, I had school, but I also, like, volunteered teaching English and I had my internship um, and I just, like, made so many Senegalese friends that, like, I was go I was bopping around all the time and I loved it. Um, and just, yeah, just like be open-minded and bring medications, especially if you have stomach issues, like bring medications if you think you are going to encounter any stomach issues because everyone does. <laughs> so that's a huge tip. Um, yeah. I have one more question for you, which is how has your, how did your study abroad experience help you figure out or guide you in when you think about your future? I know you mentioned that you are considering a Fulbright in Senegal, but I was wondering if like going abroad really changed your perspective in such a way that would impact your future life. Totally. Um, yeah, I think, well, Senegal, like just the mentality of being there and like the way that it made me feel made me, it makes me want to strive to be in a community like that going forward. Um, and so, yeah, I would love to do a Fulbright in Senegal. 
or just like another scholarship to live there and teach there. I think that would be so amazing, especially because like my study abroad experience got cut short. So I would love to go back. And so for a while, I've wanted to be a teacher and I, I want to just teach high school literature. That's like my life goal is <laughs> to be a teacher. But it's kind of, it's definitely made me at my internship. Like we, I learned a lot about like the cultural like relativeness of education in general and so like no matter where you teach you have to be aware of like the culture that's there but also just like everyone in the room you know where they're from and like their stories and their lives and you have to be sensitive to you know their own experiences and so that really like opened my eyes especially because I was just raised in such a like American fashion of education so that's definitely made me think about it's made me like rethink education and I'm even like writing my thesis now on this book that's about like it juxtaposes like a Senegalese education versus like a Western education. Have so, you, yeah. have you thought about like teaching ESL in the, um, in America? I have thought about that. And I was going to take like a TEFL course, um, mm-hmm. but I just got like busy, but honestly, yeah. Cause I loved teaching English. Like I taught English to adults um, and some, sometimes teenagers, but it was so fun. Like it was just conversation classes and I really became like friends as well with people there. Cause we would just talk for like two hours about like our lives. Um, and so I loved it. And so, yeah, I would love to continue that. That's really cool. My mom just started being like an ESL teacher this year. Mm-hmm. And like after, after nine years of like hating her teaching job, she's like, oh my gosh, I've fallen in love with teaching again. It's like, oh my gosh, mom. That's so cool. Yeah, I, it's so, I love also thinking about education in relation to languages and like linguistic barriers and like how to like cross linguistic barriers. So that's so cool. Well, thank you so much, Emily. This has been absolutely wonderful to have you and be talking with you. Yeah, thank um, you so much. I'm, it's, it's been a long time since we've been able to talk, but I'm glad we got to do it now and so informative as well. Good. Yeah. Honestly, I miss having breakfast with you and Frank. That was like such a regular. Oh, oh my gosh. Frank breakfast. Mm-hmm. I miss it so I much. It, yeah, I miss oh it my so gosh. much. But yeah, thank you for having me. This was so fun. And like, I love talking about Senegal. So thank you.